You're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. church family. I'm so glad that you're here with us again on this beautiful Sunday morning. Do you think summer is over? Do you think we're out of 100 degree weather? No? Are you excited? Do you want more 100? You're like, no, let's have more 100 degree weather. Woo! That's true. Yeah, I've enjoyed the rain. It's been so nice. Um, well, good morning again. We're so glad you're here. And we are continuing our series this week on the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week, we read through some verses in John chapters 14 through 16, where Jesus is giving his personal introduction of the Holy Spirit to his disciples. Uh, and the recurring theme and the title that Jesus kept using over and over for the Holy Spirit was what? Helper. Yep, helper. Um, the Holy Spirit is our helper, or in Greek, the parakletos. Uh, he's not the weird next door neighbor as some people treat him, right? I mean, what's weird about someone who teaches, reminds, guides, comforts, advocates, and intercedes for you? I mean, you want someone like that in your life, right? Of course you do, right? We all do. And we all have access to that person in the Holy Spirit. He's amazing. He wants to help us. He wants to be used by us. He wants to have relationship with us. He wants to be our friend. But he's often misunderstood and he's often misrepresented. Have you ever been misunderstood and misrepresented in your own life? Never before, right? It's awful when someone thinks wrongly of you or represents you wrongly to other people, right? You think, what about me? Who told you that? That's not me at all, right? Someone said, what? You said, what about me? That's not me at all. Stop telling people that, right? The, the Holy Spirit is often misunderstood and misrepresented. And what we'll see today is that the Holy Spirit is often misrepresented by, by two forces, so to speak, um, they're imperfect people and Satan, okay? And this leads to confusion and people misunderstanding who the Holy Spirit really is. Um, but this series is all about setting the record straight, right? We're getting to know the Holy Spirit for who he really is, not according to what other people say about him or how they represent him, but according to what he says about himself in Scripture. Sound good? Right, and today, we're going to continue to explore how the Holy Spirit is our helper. I didn't finish saying everything I wanted to say last week about him being our helper, um, but how he's also our friend and how he's also our God. 
And so this is the continuation of last week. This is Holy Spirit. Who is he? Part two. Amen? Um, let's pray. Let's turn off that fan right there because it is annoying me like crazy. It's right behind you. Just uh, It'll say fan right there. And then uh, right in front of you, that's a little switch. Up and down, you got it. Um, and let's pray. Let's ask God, the Holy Spirit, to continue to just lead us and guide us this morning. And what I want you to do right now is I want you to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want from me this morning? Just in your own thoughts, in your own, own prayer, seek the Holy Spirit right now. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me? What do I need to know about you? And Holy Spirit, you hear our petitions this morning. You hear us seeking you, so would you come? Would you answer? Would you lead and guide? Would you do what only you can do? We thank you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Um, who's excited about football season coming up? Nobody? Just a few people? Man, the Cowboys lost to the Broncos, but that's all right. This first preseason, pre it doesn't matter, right? Um, it's all right. All right, so let's turn to our Bibles uh, in John chapter 16. We're in John again, um, but we're going to hang out in John chapter 16. Uh, let's do the work. Let's open our physical Bibles, our digital Bibles, whatever you have. Let's honor the Word of God this morning. As you're turning there, this is again um, Jesus giving an introduction of the Holy Spirit to his disciples. Jesus knows he's about to die on the cross. He knows he's going to rise from the dead, and he knows that he's going to go away, ascend into heaven to be with God the Father. Jesus even tells the disciples these things clearly that they're going to happen. Um, but you can imagine them being a bit freaked out by this. What do you mean you're going to die, Jesus? What do you mean you're going to rise from the dead and ascend into heaven? We have more work to do. Right? More people to save and heal and deliver and disciple. You can't leave Jesus. But in chapters 14 through 16, Jesus reassures them that everything is going to be okay. How many of you like it when Jesus says everything's going to be okay, but you're freaking out? Right? We don't always like that. But Jesus, he's always going to reassure us. Um, so Jesus says everything's going to be okay. I'm sending the helper. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Right, because like we talked at length about last week, and we're finishing up today, point number one, if you're taking notes, is the Holy Spirit is my helper. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And last week, we spent our time looking at, at several ways that the Holy Spirit wants to be used as our helper. In John, uh, and in John chapter 16, starting in verse 8, we see another way that the Holy Spirit wants to help us. All right? Let's read it together. John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus says this. And when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict, everybody say convict, the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And already, I can sense that some of us are getting maybe a little uncomfortable because we don't like that word convict. We don't, these other heavy words like sin and righteousness and, and judgment, right? You might be thinking, let's go back to last week when the Holy Spirit was our helper, but in the nice and pleasant ways. Right? I like the comforter Holy Spirit, like a, a nice, warm, cozy blanket that I can just cover and snuggle up with. I like that comforter Holy Spirit, but the convicting Holy Spirit, I don't know. Are you sure that even says that in the Bible, right? Well, we just read it. In verse 8, Jesus is very clear. Uh, another way that the Holy Spirit helps us is by convicting the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. 
But the reason many people feel uncomfortable about this verse and the convicting role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives is because we misunderstand the Holy Spirit and what this verse really means. And so we're going to look a little more closely at this verse um, and the three verses after it to better understand how the Holy Spirit helps us by convicting us and why this is actually a really good thing for every single one of us, okay? Um, and the first thing we need to take note of is that word convict. Now, when we hear that word convict, we often jump right to the negative, don't we? Right? We jump right to the negative. But another way to translate the Greek word for convict here is convince. Everybody say convince. Right? Which is understandable because when someone has a conviction about something, they are totally convinced about it, Right? And so the Holy Spirit will convince the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And already, when we adjust that one word from convict to convince, Jesus' words don't sound so harsh. And listen, I'm not trying to, to sugarcoat what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to make the Holy Spirit more palatable or sound more attractive, because the following verses, verses 9 through 11, they help us to see that Jesus wants us to think more posit positively about the convicting role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so the Holy Spirit helps us by convicting us of three things or convincing us of three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. We're going to break all three of these down. Okay, we need help being convinced of these things. Why? Well, the following verses help us to understand why. So in verse 9, let's move down to verse 9. Jesus says this. Uh, the Holy Spirit will convince us concerning sin because they do not believe in me. And so we need the Holy Spirit to help convince us of sin. We need the Holy Spirit's help to convince us that we are sinners. And you might be saying, I don't need a whole lot of help being convinced of that. Well, let's think of it a little bit differently. Right? Because if you don't understand and believe that you are a sinner, then you'll never be convinced or convicted that you need a Savior. If you don't understand that you're a sinner, then you won't be convinced that you need a savior, right? The most difficult people to help are the ones who don't think they need help, right? If they don't think they need help, then they resist the help. They're like, why are you here? I don't need you. Leave me alone. But as an outsider looking in, you can tell they certainly need some help, and it's frustrating when they don't want it, right? Maybe you've encountered this before. For example, with a, a loved one who struggled with some kind of addiction. I don't need help. I'm okay. Right? Or, or a friend who doesn't want to admit that they're sick and they need to go get medical attention. And, and if you've been in that situation before, you're not trying to convince them of their problems so that you can condemn them, right? No, you want to help them. Right? You want them to see that they can get better. You want them to see that they can be healed, and that's what Jesus is saying in verse 9 about the Holy Spirit. He's not convicting or convincing us of our sin to condemn us. He wants us to see that we are sinners so that we can then see we need a Savior, that we need him. We need Jesus. That's right. right? And, and if you've been saved from your sin by Jesus, go ahead and identify right now. Right? If you've been saved from your sin by Jesus, then you understand this conviction and how good it really is. Right? Yes, 
It is hard for us to admit that we are sinners sometimes and to admit, admit that our farts don't smell like roses, actually. Right? But then we know, and when we know that there's a Savior, we gladly admit, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Right? We confess and we believe. The Holy Spirit helps convince us of our sin. Right? And we need the Holy Spirit to even profess Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, Paul says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. Likewise, no one can say in the Spirit, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Right? So we need the conviction of the Holy Spirit of our sin in our lives. It's a good thing. Let's look at verse 10. Jesus said that, says that the Holy Spirit convinces us concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. So number two, the Holy Spirit helps convince us of righteousness. Now, sometimes righteousness is believed to mean doing what is right. All right maybe you've understood righteousness to, to, to be that. Um, and righteousness can certainly mean that. But in this verse, righteousness is less about action and more about position. Righteousness is less about action, and it's more about position. Righteousness here is more about relationship. And what Jesus is saying is that we need to be convinced that we are in right standing, right relationship with God the Father, and that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus says he's going to the Father. Why? Because he's at the right hand of the Father, advocating righteousness and right standing with him on our behalf. Jesus is telling the Father right now that we are no longer enemies, but friends. We are no longer orphans, but we are sons and daughters. And, and in my personal experience, in my life, and, and also in my years of, of pastoring, even though it hasn't been long, um, this is probably the area where we need help, the most help in being convinced. Right? It's easy to convince someone that they are sinners, right? Have you ever lied? cheated, stolen, been jealous, thought wrongly about someone, congratulations, you're a sinner. And you probably already knew that. Right? It's easy to convince someone of that. But to then convince them that God no longer sees them as a sinner if they put their faith in Jesus, that's difficult. That's difficult. This is one of my greatest struggles in my walk with Jesus. I knew I was a sinner, but I struggled to believe that God really forgave me and that he saw me as righteous. I knew I had done some pretty awful things, but it was hard to believe that God no longer held those things against me. And I struggled with guilt and shame for so long in my life, beating myself up because of how awful I believed I was. Maybe you've been there before, maybe you're there right now. Right, but through careful reading of verses like this and in books like the book of Hebrews, I now firmly believe I am convinced that I am in right standing with God. Right, he sees me as righteous. I am forgiven and my sins have been forgotten. And I've only been able to get to that point through the convicting and convincing work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I didn't arrive there on my own, through my own thinking. It was the Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful that I have him in my life to help me right? because I need that constant reminder still today. Right? I'm righteous in God's eyes. I am no longer seen as a sinner. I'm a saint. God is my friend. He loves me. I'm not an enemy. I'm a friend. We need it. All right, let's move on. 
verse 11. So he convinces us of our sin. He convinces us of righteousness. And then verse 11, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit helps convince us concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The third thing is that the Holy Spirit helps convince us of judgment. Now, this is another one of those heavy-sounding words, isn't it? Right? Judgment is such a heavy word, especially when you're the one being judged, isn't it? Right? But notice, we are not the ones being judged in this verse. It's the ruler of this world. And who is, or rather, who was the ruler of this world? Satan, right? The devil, the enemy. In John chapter 12, verse 31, you can write these down. You don't have to turn to them. Uh, but John 12, 31 and John 14, 30, Jesus refers to Satan as the ruler of this world. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Satan and his demons are referred to as the rulers over this present darkness. But also in John 12 and 14, Jesus says that Satan, the ruler, will be cast out. And that ruler has no power over him. It even sounds like Jesus saying, he's got nothing on me, which I love. Why? Because when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he defeated Satan and took away the power that he had over this world. Now, Jesus is king. Thank you, Kanye. And he's the rightful ruler of the world, right? We need the Holy Spirit's help convincing us of this truth. Right. Satan is certainly still our enemy, but he is a defeated enemy. Amen? Right. He no longer has authority or power over you because Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, has taken the enemy's power away. Right. We now have a better ruler, a better master, a better king, and his name is Jesus. And so we have four verses here that tell us how the Holy Spirit helps us. Four more. Right, four verses that should encourage and strengthen us, but instead they cause many people to distance themselves from God and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we've misunderstood what it means that the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Right, we've, we've wrongly believed, and it's been misunderstood, that these four verses mean the Holy Spirit is coming to convict you that you're a sinner. Right? That you're not living right. And God's coming to get you. You're a sinner. You're not living right. And God's coming to get you. And if that's the gospel we've been preaching, then no wonder so many people turn away. Right? And in our misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit's convicting work in our lives, we also misrepresent him to the world around us. You see how those two go together. Right? But that's not what these four verses mean. No, what these verses declare, this is good news, church family. What these verses declare is that the Holy Spirit is coming to convict you that you need a Savior. And once you accept the Savior, he convicts you that you are now in right standing with God the Father. And now that you are in right standing with God the Father, he convicts you that Satan has had all of his authority taken away and he has no authority over you anymore. That's the gospel. That's the good news, church family, that we should be preaching, right? That's the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need his conviction in our lives. It's a good thing. He's our helper. Amen? You see it? Okay, can I move on? All right. He's not only our helper, but he's also my friend. I'm going to preface that and say, and he's not weird. The Holy Spirit is my friend, and he's not weird. Okay, 
there are some people who talk about and try to represent the Holy Spirit, and they are weird. Okay, and they do weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit. Okay, have you encountered this weirdness before? Okay, well, here's a little secret. Chances are they were weird without and before the Holy Spirit, okay? Just keep that in the back of your mind. Now, what kind of weirdness am I talking about? Well, um, it might be different for you, but there have been supposed moves of the Holy Spirit, and I'm careful to say that, but there have been supposed moves of the Holy Spirit that caused people to cluck like chickens and bark like dogs when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, when I first started getting to know the Holy Spirit for myself, I encountered people who talked about getting high in the Holy Spirit, and then they would then act high when they felt like they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and this weirdness made it more difficult for me, at least, to draw closer to the Holy Spirit, because I wasn't sure if it was the Holy Spirit making people act weird or if it was just people being weird. Right? And many people who've experienced this weirdness in the name of the Holy Spirit they often conclude then it must be the Holy Spirit that's weird, right? And they distance themselves from him. But listen, you can be a normal person and believe in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Do I need to say that again, right? You can be a normal person and believe in the person and power of the Holy Spirit, right? And don't let other people's misrepresentations of the Holy Spirit push you away from him, right? But... We shouldn't be surprised that the Holy Spirit is misrepresented by people. I mean, I'm sure we've looked at people and seen people who misrepresent the Son of God, who misrepresent Jesus. The same can also, unfortunately, be true for the Holy Spirit. But again, we shouldn't be surprised, especially because of the power and transformation that is promised through and because of the Holy Spirit. Because what the enemy, Satan, would love to do is use this weirdness to cause people to be afraid of the Holy Spirit rather than befriend the Holy Spirit, right? He wants people to be afraid because he was present and he saw what happened on the day of Pentecost that we read about in Acts 2, right? That day when the Holy Spirit came in power and thousands were added to the kingdom of God. And from then on, countless more have been saved and added to the kingdom, right? People have been uh, healed from their sickness, delivered from demon possession. People have been raised from the dead, and and the world has been turned upside down. That's what the rulers during the time of Acts said about these spirit-filled people. They had turned the world upside down. And who would love nothing more than to stop that powerful move of God from sweeping across the globe even today? Satan. Some have even said that the Holy Spirit was reintroduced to the world in the early 1900s when revivals with an emphasis on the Holy Spirit were happening across the globe. And during that time, there was also this emphasis on speaking in tongues. And I believe that Satan focused on that one gift of the Holy Spirit and twisted it to make it controversial and weird just to get people to not pursue the Holy Spirit. Right, but again... We shouldn't let confusion and misunderstanding by Satan and the accompanied misrepresentation of the Holy Spirit by some influence our thoughts about him. The Holy Spirit is our friend, and when we welcome him totally and fully into our lives, here's a good thing, we receive many benefits from him. We receive many benefits from him. What are they? Well, Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 
He says um, that when this friend comes, we will receive power. Everybody say power. And through this power, we will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit gives us power to witness and to serve people into the kingdom. Okay, when we welcome the Holy Spirit as friend, we experience supernatural love. Everybody say love. Love for other people. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know that chapter, don't you? It's the great love chapter that people like to quote, especially during weddings, but no other time. Anyways, um, but what does Paul write about in the chapters before and after chapter 13? Chapters 12 and 14 are all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? And Paul concludes that if you don't have love, a benefit of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't really matter what gifts you have. They're useless without love. That's powerful, right? And this love isn't just for people who are close to you or similar to you. No, you receive a love for the lost that just isn't possible without the Holy Spirit. Um, In hearing people's testimonies about when they were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, um, a recurring thing that I've heard them say over and over again is that they had a greater burden for those who were lost and had a greater desire to witness and share the gospel with them. And when this love and power are combined, it causes people to live victorious and effective lives as followers of Jesus. And this should make sense because Paul, he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of what? Power and love and self-control. Okay? Power, love. Another gift or benefit is fruit. Everybody say fruit. Right? Fruit is also a benefit of the Holy Spirit that every person who welcomes him into his life, into their lives as friend receives. Paul, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. And if you wake up in the morning and read one verse, it should be this one every single day, and reflect Am I experiencing this fruit in my life? If not, what do I need to do to experience it, right? And you can read elsewhere in Paul's writing, like in Romans, about other fruits and and what it means to live according to the spirit rather than according to the the flesh. All right, what else? When we look uh, to the Holy Spirit as our helper and our friend, we also receive gifts from him. Now, I love all of my friends, but friends who also bring me gifts, they have a special place in my heart. And the Holy Spirit, being the good friend that he is, he loves to give us gifts, right? Like the gifts of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, and and many, many more that we read about in 1 Corinthians 12, but also in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, so many gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. Right? And what I love about the Holy Spirit is that he doesn't just give us one specific gift for the rest of our lives, right? but he gives us any and all of the gifts, if necessary, that we need when we need them. If you took one of those tests in youth group and you said, oh, I have the gift of this, it's probably not the same today because he doesn't just give us one gift. We'll talk more about that in another message, right? but he gives us exactly what we need. And so power, love, fruit, and gifts, these are the four primary benefits that we receive when we welcome the Holy Spirit as friend into our lives, right? Now, here's the deal, though. We can't just open the door a little bit 
to this friend. Okay, how many of you, when a good friend comes over to your house, you just crack the door open a little bit, and you're like, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? I'm so happy to see you. Right, you don't just crack the door open just a little bit, right? Or how many of you, when your good friend comes, you just open the door all the way, but you say, no, you gotta stay outside. Maybe during COVID, which is awful, but anyways. Um, but you said, you just gotta stay outside. No, when a good friend comes over to your house, you throw open the door, you run out and you give them a hug. You let them in all the way into your house. You don't care if they dirty your floors with their dirty shoes. You let them eat your food, drink your coffee and tea. You have long conversations with them and you're sad when it's time for them to go home. So you say, how about you just stay in our guest house so you can spend a little bit longer with them, right? That's how you treat good friends, isn't it? And that's how we should treat our friend, the Holy Spirit, right? We should open the door fully and totally to him and allow him fully into our lives. Do you hear what I'm saying? Right, the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our friend. And finally, the Holy Spirit is my God. He's my God. Last week, I mentioned that I was brought up in a denomination that acknowledged the Holy Spirit as a member of the Trinity, but they kind of treated him like the weird next-door neighbor that we talked about, right? I was taught to be cautious about the Holy Spirit and not to get too close to those Pentecostal charismatic people who were also weird, right? Maybe you were raised or taught something similar, right? But, but I want you to take a moment to think about how terrible that really is, right? Because if the Holy Spirit is in fact a member of the Holy Trinity, if he is in fact as equally God as the Father and the Son are, then if we are taught or if people tell us or we're, we tell other people, be cautious about the Holy Spirit, what we're really saying is be cautious about God. That's just wrong. Right? And if you don't have a problem with me saying that the Father is my God, if you don't have a problem with me saying that the Son is my God, but you do have a problem or you get a little squirmy when I say the Holy Spirit is my God, then something's wrong and it shouldn't be that way. He's a member of the Holy Trinity, the Godhead. He is God, right? but I can understand why we sometimes have this separation in our minds and why some people might view the Holy Spirit differently than God the Father and God the Son, and that's because the Holy Spirit just doesn't really talk about himself that much. Right? His purpose is to talk all about Jesus and how amazing he is. His job is to glorify the Son and talk about him all the time. And so when you have conversations with the Holy Spirit, the first thing you should hear from him is, Jesus is amazing, right? Jesus is awesome. Have you talked to Jesus today? Have you experienced He loves Jesus, glorifying Jesus. That's what Jesus says about him in John chapter 16, verse 14, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't talk much about himself, but that doesn't make him any less God, right? And, and though the word Trinity is never used in the Bible, we get our understanding of this concept from several verses in the Bible, right? Some of them we read last week, like John chapter 14, verse 26, when Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in one verse. 
Or John chapter 15, verse 26, when Jesus says, but when the helper comes, whom I, Jesus, will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity, all in one verse. Or what about in Luke chapter 3, verse 22? After Jesus' water baptism, Jesus is in the water, the Holy Spirit descends in bodily form like a dove, and God the Father in an audible voice speaks out. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all at once. Uh, or what about the Great Commission? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. I don't know how much clearer that can get. The Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity, and he is as equally God as the Father and the Son are. Right? Here's one more verse that I think kind of puts the nail in the coffin, so to speak, that proves that the Holy Spirit is God. In Acts chapter 5, the first church, they're taking up a free will offering um, to help care for everybody within their community. And one man named Ananias, he brings an offering, but he's sneaky about it because he knows that God has asked him to give more than what he actually gives, and he holds some back. And so in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, Peter, he discerns what's going on through the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? You have not lied to man, but to who? God. Right? In lying to the Holy Spirit, Ananias was also lying to God because the Holy Spirit is God. Again, we have to be careful what we say about the Holy Spirit. We must be careful to not misrepresent him. And, and we have to be careful that we don't misunderstand him or cause other people to misunderstand him. And this includes me as, as a pastor who's speaking on the Holy Spirit. Right? Because if we do, we misrepresent and we misunderstand God. Right? And in doing so, we risk causing others to distance themselves from the Holy Spirit the helper, the friend, the God that people desperately need in this world. And so what I want to do is I want to close by reading to you a passage from a commentator um, who basically took everything that he read about the Holy Spirit and he summed it up from the Bible and he sums it up into one passage. And as I read this passage, we'll have it up on the screen, but I want you to think weird or not weird. All right, are we ready? Here's the passage. The Holy Spirit intercedes through us on earth. The Holy Spirit calls and qualifies ministers for their work. It is the Holy Spirit who makes them overseers over the flock. He hears, speaks, teaches, and guides us into all truth. He glorifies Christ, receives from Christ, shows us Christ, and brings all of Christ's words to our remembrance. It is better for us that Jesus left so he could come. He shows us things to come, knows the deep things of God, searches all things, and reveals all things. Where he is, there is liberty. The writers of the Bible spoke as they were moved by him. We are warned not to grieve him or quench him. The sin against him is unpardonable because sin against him is against the only one who can reveal the Son to us. Unless man is born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We are convicted by him born again by him, led by him, filled with him, and sealed by him. Now tell me, church family, weird or not weird? It's not weird. 
It's not weird. When I read that passage, I read about someone who I desperately need every single day. A helper, a friend, and a God who I need in order to be the person God created me to be and to live the life God created me to live. And I know that that if I want all of the benefits that this friend brings, I can't just open the door a little bit. I can't just keep him outside while I look out to him. I have to let him totally and fully into my life. What about you? Is the Holy Spirit your helper? Is he your friend? Is he your God? If not, the invitation again this week is to let him in and allow him to do more for you than what you can do on your own. So what I wanna do is I wanna close the same way that we did last week with a guided prayer. And it's asking the Holy Spirit one simple question and allowing him space to speak as God into our lives. And that simple question again is, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And so let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, let's seek the Holy Spirit in this space. Ask that question one time, and then just be silent. And I believe the Holy Spirit will speak. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.